chapter 8, there's nothing worth more. Jesus says, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a person's enemy will be those of his own household. Whoever loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Wow, if this is not a sobering statement from Jesus, I don't know what is. This passage is really describing the position Jesus desires all of his disciples to be in with him. Surrendering everything to Jesus is really about being aligned with God in such a way that there is nothing holding you back from saying yes to him. God desires to be first in your life, above everyone and everything else. This is actually for the betterment of your life. Now I know a lot of this book so far has been focused on belief tied to the action of trust. This is because the act of repentance is directly tied to being the changing of your beliefs from one to another. If we do not change our beliefs, then our actions will always fall short. When talking about positioning ourselves fully in Jesus through surrendering of everything, I want to be very practical of one action in particular that is directly tied to the positioning yourself fully in Jesus Christ. Money. Whether we want to admit it or not, money can have the ability to dictate what we do and how we make our decisions. Jesus talks about money more frequently in the Gospels, more than most Christians would like to remember or even reflect on. The benefit of me writing on this subject as opposed to speaking to you in a group setting is you can be assured that I'm not solicitating you to give money to my church or to my bank account. I know there will be a day where I have to teach this to a group of people face to face, but until that day, I'll just say what I need to say here and you can do whatever you want with the information. God is the provider. If you are following Jesus, then any resource or relationship that you have is not your own. We as followers of Jesus are called to be good stewards with the relationships and resources that God has entrusted us with. Being a steward has very little about how much you receive and is way more about how you give or steward that which you have been given for others. There is a moment in the early church where there seemed to be some theological differences within the early church leaders. What I love about this disagreement is that even though there were differences in theology, both sides agreed that they were called to take care of the poor. God's provision is always meant to first serve the poor. Reading this, you might think that is a great idea, but you don't believe you have the ability nor the resources to give. You may conclude that you will give once you are out of this financial hole that you are in. To be completely blunt and not politically correct at all, this is a straight-up lie that is trying to withhold you from receiving the very thing you are trying to gain. If you are not generous with a little, you'll never be generous with much. That is a heart issue more than anything else. This isn't about giving a specific amount of money. The amazing thing about this truth is that it's open to anyone. 
Whether you are rich or poor, all are invited to live generous lives that reflect the Father's heart for humanity. I both affirm and practice with my wife the principle of giving your first fruits to God within the form of giving 10% of our income towards advancing the gospel and or the poor. I believe it is very clear in scripture, both in the Old and New Testament. If this is something you are really struggling with in believing, please read the following passages. Genesis chapter 14 verses 19 to 20, chapter 28 verses 20 to 22, Leviticus chapter 27 verses 30 to 34, Numbers chapter 18 verses 21 to 26, Deuteronomy chapter 12 Five, verses 5 to 6, chapter 14, verses 22 to 29, 2 Chronicles, chapter 31, verses 4 to 5, Nehemiah, chapter 10, verses 35 to 37, Proverbs, chapter 3, verses 9 to 10, Amos, chapter 4, verses 4 to 5, and Malachi, chapter 3. I know some of you may be thinking that that teaching is all from the Old Testament and does not apply. If this is you, I encourage you to read the following New Testament passages that all refer to giving to God through the act of tithe to advancing the gospel and or giving to the poor. Mark chapter 12 verses 41 to 44. Luke chapter 11 verses 42, which is similar to Matthew chapter 23 verses 23. Acts chapter 2 verses 45. Chapter 4 verses 32 to 37. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 2 Corinthians, chapter 8, verse 9, Philippians, chapter 4, verses 14 to 20, 1 Timothy, chapter 6, verses 17 to 19, 1 Peter, chapter 4, verses 10. I am sure there are way more passages than these, but these are the ones I have not only read, but have studied for myself. Tithing is about putting God first in your finances. It is one of the most practical ways in both surrendering and showing God that you trust Him with your finances. Honestly, for me personally, I've always been stressed out about finances. I can tell you that since I started tithing, I have been able to put those fears in their place. When you tithe, you are positioning yourself to rely fully on God with your finances. When fear comes, you can literally dismiss it because you have not only put your trust in God by your words, but you have followed through with your actions. This area of tithing is one of the most practical ways of understanding faith and works that James talks about in New Testament. You cannot say you trust God with your finances without giving God your money in some way. Simultaneously, you cannot give your money to God without attaching the trust in Him for the provision. There are more examples of this relationship between faith and works, but I have always found this one the simplest to understand. I don't believe you can say you are fully surrendered to God without it somehow reflecting in the way you spend your money. This is one of the many areas in our life that God is asking us to surrender. For some of us, it will be the hardest area in our lives to surrender. Like the rich young man we discussed in a previous chapter, God cares about your heart and that is why he is desiring you to put him first in this area. It is for the betterment of your life. Just like the hidden treasure, it's not about the blessing that results from putting him first, but about the experience of growing deeper in our relationship with him in this process. 
Reflecting on a couple of years ago, I remember becoming newly engaged and being very stressed out about finances. My soon-to-be wife and I had a lot of debt and no real employment lined up after our wedding. We were getting married two months after I graduated university and moving to a new city for my wife to finish her last year of post-secondary education. On top of not having work lined up, God had asked me to write a book, which was something I never desired to do or thought I could ever do. In order for me to be faithful to what God was asking me to do, I could not work after graduating school and before getting married. As someone who tries to make good financial decisions, this was a bad idea. It really stressed me out because not only was I not having a real income for two months before getting married, I also wasn't able to look for work in the new city until after we got married. To be clear, I had the full support of my wife, Kara Lee, in this decision, and I made this decision with the discernment of followers of Jesus who are older than me and whom I trusted. I was initially very stressed out about my current and future financial situation. I had a long conversation with my dad about it all. I will never forget how my dad responded to me. He said something along the lines of the following, Your mother and I have been trusting God as our provider our entire marriage by tithing to whatever local church we have been a part of. We had four children within an age gap of five years, and for many years we were not even breaking even by tithing. Yet we have never been without. Not once in 30 years of marriage. Are you going to spend your life worrying about finances with your marriage, or are you going to trust that God is the provider through financially putting Him first? I decided that day to draw a line in the sand and fully trust God with finances through an act of obedience. I can honestly say the way I think and feel around finances have shifted since that day. Today may be the day that God is asking or reminding you He wants you to fully surrender to Him. He doesn't want a part, but all of you. This includes your finances. I would encourage you to look at your bank statement this month. Ask yourself the question, what does this tell you about what you value most in life? I hope when you do this, you will see that you put God first in your finances and that you value generosity to others. Remember, it's not about how much we give, but it is about stewarding that which God has entrusted us with.